Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. You can dig in right there. Psalms 145 verse number 8 says this, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. Verse 9 says this, The Lord is good to all. And his tender mercies are over all his works. We're talking about compassion. And we're, we're in a series called Full of Compassion. Um, and compassion is defined as this, unwilling to give pain. Compassionate, to be compassionate, is having a temper or disposition to pity. Inclined to show mercy or merciful. Having a heart that is tender and easily moved by the distresses, sufferings, wants, and infirmities of others. To have compassion is to love tenderly, to pity, to show mercy, to be full of eager yearning. The scripture actually says in many places that the Lord was moved or with compassion or he has bowels of compassion. And what it is is a deep internal motivation for what God does. God has a deep internal motivation when he sees humanity to the point where he gave Jesus. Now, Jesus, I posted this the other day on Facebook, but Jesus wanted, or God wanted to, the world to know exactly what it was like, so he sent Jesus. So what, we're in, what, we're, what I'm, in, what I'm uh, intending to do, what I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to do in this series is to get you to see and to, or to strengthen your current sight of the Lord's goodness and mercy towards you. And sometimes people go, yeah, but we need to go into the world and, and the world needs the love of God. The world. Well, I'll just tell I'll put it to you like this. The more you and I know about the love of God for us, the world won't be suffering. Because you will love your neighbor as you love yourself. You won't know how to love yourself unless you let God love you. And I know this from experience. The biggest problem in receiving love from God is me. Is you. The biggest issue many times in our relationship with the Lord is the way we see us. Or, I can put it to you like this, we know what we've done. Or haven't done. Or what we used to do. Or what we thought about doing. But never did, but the thought's still there. And so the more we understand concerning revelation about God's love for us, the easier it will be uh, to function in faith concerning others and, and being a representation of the kingdom and putting forth the character of God in our world. Amen? If you love, if you, if you understand God's love for you, your spouse will be better off. Your marriage will rest because, and we've talked about this before, you, it, uh, it won't be, as, as the relationship guy said on the teaching series that we, that we watched, it won't be two ticks and no dog. <laughs> you say, what does that mean? 
you got to do this for me and you got to do this for me. You're going to God and receiving from Him. And when we do that, we're living from a supply to where even as uh, Mike was sharing this morning, we're actually able to love those that hate us and, and bless and do good to those who curse us. Now, that's supernatural. Amen? That's supernatural. And that's what we're, that is. That is the miraculous power of God working in us. And so we're looking at this compassion. We saw a few different things. It is very important to the Lord how we see him. This is why he sent Jesus as the pinnacle of his expression in the earth. It is not that God, it is not what God can do, but what we know he yearns to do that inspires faith. We talked about that. It is not faith in God's power that secures his blessings as much as it is faith in his love and in his willingness to move, use his power on our behalf. Remember, we do not let our experience in this life define how we see God, but we allow his words to define how we see and believe from God. God cannot say more to the human race than what he did in Jesus. Jesus is called the express image of the Father. Everything he did and said was exactly what the Father would do in every situation. People rarely question God's power, but they will doubt his willingness to use it on their behalf. Say it with me. Say, God is longing to use his power in every area of my life. He is. He's longing to. Now, a thought, your natural mind, uh, natural thoughts will come out of your, just, just uh, from, from within you. They'll come up and the enemy will reinforce those thoughts or bring them to you. Well, and he'll bring up, it's not really that way. Because look at what has happened in this area or that area. Or look at what hasn't happened. And when that thought comes, you need to counter it with the scripture coming out of your mouth. That's how you take a thought captive. Because you can say, and we can say in here, yeah, God's moving on my behalf. He desires, he longs to use his power in my physical body to change arthritis to non-arthritis. To remove arthritis, to remove cancer, to remove heart problems, to remove kidney God desires... God longs for, God is so in tune and so desires to, uh, uh, to, to get inside your physical body and heal it that he actually broke open the back of his son with uh, uh, whipping over and over, 39 stripes, to make available a door from the supernatural into the natural if we'll operate in faith to where he'll actually jump inside your nerves and joints and go... Fixed on, on a, on a, on a, on a, uh, a cellular level. He desires it so much, he thought you were so worth it. He put all of your sin on Jesus. Even the sin you ain't done yet. Paid for. Come on. We used to, that song was popular a while back. Jesus paid it all, right? Paid for. 
He paid for it all. And many times where the hiccup is, when it comes to our faith, is does he really? Actually, he yearns. He's motivated that direction. Not just a little bit. He, can, he is more excited about the manifestation of your healing than you are. This takes faith, doesn't it? Does it not challenge the very fabric of what's going on around us? But yet that's what Jesus revealed. He, he, the scripture says in Acts 10, he went about doing healing How many? Who were oppressed of who? God, because it was his will. Of the devil. Oppression doesn't come from God. It comes from the enemy. And his motivation toward us is compassion. He's full of compassion. We saw that the word full means having no empty space. I love that. It's so simple. But it's so profound if you picture it. God is wall-to-wall, top-to-bottom compassion. And he doesn't have room for anything else. He doesn't have room for anything else. Matthew chapter 9, let's look at some of this compassion. Matthew chapter 9, verse number 35 through 38 says this. It says this, it says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. You know, sometimes people think that Jesus, Jesus just went about healing, but he actually went about teaching and preaching and then healing. He was putting faith in them for healing. That means that Jesus went around. To, he talked so much about healing people that multitudes came to him for healing. He so eradicated the thought that God didn't want people well that just everybody came. And he did it in such a way that people came that were uh, prostitutes. People came that were what, what, what the world would consider the unredeemable. Do you know when it comes to uh, going after God and the things of God and using faith, do you know God does not ever look at somebody and go, I can't help them? He never thinks that way because his compassion doesn't operate that way. He looks down and he sees, oh, there they are. That's the, I love those people. And he arranges his kingdom operation, including the operation of his angels, not to mention his son, obviously. And then the Holy Spirit is here with us. But he arranges everything that he does in kingdom warfare for the, the deliverance of those who have rejected him and yielded to the devil. It's powerful. And it's by grace. He's so smart. He's in, in, he's in heaven going, guys, before the creation was ever, ever uh, manifested, the, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they're having a meeting, and they're going, we're going to have to do this by grace. I know they're going to mess it up, but my motivation of compassion is so great I'll just make it available based on my goodness, not their works. And then all I'll require of them is that they just believe and receive. Thank you. 
Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. I'll, I'll take that. So Jesus, he did this. He went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And then in verse number 36, it says this. It says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with what? For them. Does God know the intricacies of the, of the lives of the multitude? He knows them all. And yet he sees them, and it's not wrath that motivates him. It's compassion. Why? Why did he see? And what does he say? He says, I'm moved with compassion toward them because they were what? Weary and what? Scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Other translations of this portion of the verse say this. They were torn and thrown down. They were mangled and thrown to the ground. They were being harassed and dispersed. They were worried and helpless. And we don't get a lot of amens on that, but we all were. And some still are. The image that is being portrayed here is people who are being, the word is actually flayed. Or being wounded. Used of sheep being wounded by thorns. Or being plundered as by robbers. In general, it means being weary. The sheep in this instance were weary because of the heavy burdens laid on their shoulders by the religious leaders of their days. This ties back to Ezekiel 34. Jesus comes and reveals his role as one who gathers the lost and scattered sheep. The idea here of being moved by compassion is actually one of the strongest expressions of compassion in the Greek. It appears in several different parables through the Gospels. The compassion of God does not abandon the sheep to become prey for wild beasts. God never leaves us or forsakes us. God's compassion is marked by commitment. The Lord, the Father, God the Father has so committed himself, and we looked at this last week, to our rescue and salvation that he actually imprinted it into Jesus. Think about this. He's so committed to your peace of mind that the scars from the crown of thorns are still in his head. Now, I'm not talking about... Now, some of you are thinking, uh, yeah, on the cross. No, no. I'm talking about right now. He's so committed to your forgiveness that there's still holes. Come on. He's so committed to your salvation, Jesus is still human. Ooh, that shot through me. Ooh, I could feel that one. There's a God man that has bridged the gap 
between my father and me. And not just when he feels like it. 24-7. I can come boldly to the throne of grace. Woo. There's mercy there. Come on, mercy. And you know what that word mercy is? Compassion. It's the same word. And there's not only that, there's grace to help. I'm going to make it through. How about you? I'm going to go all the way to the end of my race. I'm just going to run the whole thing, get her all done. And you say, oh, that's arrogant. No, no. It's, it's giving glory to God because I'm not going to do it in my own strength. I'm going to do it in his grace. I'm going to rely on his mercies. Come on. How many are with me on this? You're going to do the same thing. You're just going to go ahead and live your life out the rest of your days serving him, living in fellowship with him. i got nothing else to do. I mean, what else do I have to do? I'm living for the day. I heard Lester Summerall say it. He said, I live for every day that I, for the day that I, I live every day for the day that I stand before the Lord. I live every day for that day. I already did it my way. It was horrible. God is so committed to you and me that Jesus became human. And now he's glorified human, but he's still human. Jesus said, come on, when he appeared to the disciples, what did he say? He said, flesh and bone. This was after he was glorified. Now, he didn't say blood Because he's now operating as a human out of the complete glory of God. Come on now, think with me. That's our destiny. You think you look good now. (laughs) People are like, some people are giving me looks like, no, I really don't. And some of you are like, yeah, I do look good, don't I? I... I mean, what you got to work with, work with it. <laughs> Brother Hagin used to say, if the barn needs paint, and paint, and paint it. If it needs two coats, give it two coats. <laughs> you do with what you got as best you can. But when the glory hits it, hey. Come on, I'm living for that day. How about you? I, I'm excited about it. I posted a picture for Valentine's Day. Heidi's like, you posted that picture. And people lie to us on Facebook. They say things like, you haven't aged a bit. That's a lie. I appreciate you trying to, you know, build us up, but... <laughs> Shayna Phelan, I don't, she probably won't see this, but she posted on there, she said, I literally Googled things that don't age, and your picture came up. <laughs> You're good. Oh, was it your picture? Oh, okay. I'm believing for me, too. <laughs> oh, jeez. 
I mean, no, God's committed to us all the way to the end. He is our shepherd. He, now watch this. I want you to see this, this because this is, and we'll end right here. But this is a big deal concerning God's compassion. He sees us as sheep, and he knows we need a shepherd. His compassion heals us physically, and it delivers us, and he comes in and does miracles, but he doesn't just leave it there. He's not just concerned about your conversion. He's concerned about your discipleship. He's not just concerned about your eternity. He's concerned about your daily walk, how you're living. He's, con- he's so concerned that he wants to walk so close. Obviously, he's inside of us. But he walks so close that he wants to lead you right where to pasture. He wants to lead you to close certain gates in your life so the enemy can't get, get in. He wants to mature you, develop you in the fruit of the Spirit because he knows. Not only is it for your benefit, but then also it's for the benefit of everybody around you. Now, we can talk about knowledge, and I've been doing some studying because I'm getting ready to do some Bible, a Bible school class for the Breakforth Bible Institute, and I'm, I have a class on faith, and I've been studying faith. And, and it talks about knowledge and that there's, there's, uh, there's uh, natural knowledge and there's, there's uh, uh, spiritual knowledge. And we, and we operate in both worlds at the same time while we're here, right? But we really can't understand anything naturally until we understand things from a revelatory place, spiritually. Because if you don't have revelation from heaven, you're actually walking in darkness here. In other words, I'll put it to you like this. The natural laws that govern this world, God created them and put them into place. You cannot understand them properly without talking to the author. Okay, so in that, God cares so much about our development and the knowledge of knowing who he is and his compassion for us that he not only, sh- he not only rescues us from the enemy, he not only rescues us from religious systems. Do you know the greatest deception in the earth right now is religious systems? People think they're saved and going to heaven because they go to church. And they're not. You have to be born again. You have to be born again. And so in that, to understand this revelation and and walk in this revelation and walk in this place of understanding these things, as far as the compassion of God for us, knowledge has to first come to you. Knowledge is not just information, it's experience. Now watch. There are people who have knowledge and experience for themselves, but they actually don't have full knowledge of it because they haven't given it to someone else. It's one thing for me to receive Christ, and I have an understanding and a knowledge, but when I begin to allow him to flow through me to others, I gain a place of knowledge and experience that I I didn't have before. Because I wasn't allowing the Lord to work through me to someone else. You know, some Christians actually super excited when they were first born again, but it begins to wear off. And you know why? Because you're only experiencing part of what you're supposed to. You have to share in order to experience another level. 
and those two working together is shepherd. It's good shepherding. And that's the Lord's desire. The Lord, his compassion offers a shepherd, Jesus Christ, in salvation for the lost and scattered in this life. Jesus is revealing the heart of God for the lost and the scattered. He reveals himself as the good shepherd. How many know that? He never said he was the bad shepherd. This means when we turn to him in faith, whether for the first time in salvation or for the hundredth time after our initial salvation, he works with us to walk in the victories he purchased for us by grace through faith. He does this personally and through under shepherds. Ephesians chapter 4 verse number 11 says this, And he himself gave some to be what? Apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. For the what? The equipping of the saints. Who's being equipped? The saints are for the work of the ministry. Who's doing the work of the ministry? The saints are. God God is so moved with compassion, he's a shepherd, but so cares that for for the people that he's he's like, I want to be, I'm the, the chief shepherd, but I need some under shepherds. Sometimes people think, oh no, ministers, the, the world would be better off if there were no ministers. I've heard stuff like this. Actually, you can't grow spiritually like you should if you don't have ministers in your life. Oh no, it's just me and Jesus. I don't need anybody else. You need to reread your Bible. Well, prophet so and so said, and they're false. If they countered this. No, I'll be all right on my own. I can just watch YouTube videos. Actually, you'll be confused. Well, I just watched the Christian TV station all day. I know you're confused. (laughs) Because there's a whole lot of brands of Christianity coming across that channel. You need to have your, I'm not saying, (laughs) sometimes people think, oh, the, the, the preacher doesn't want us to go watch anybody else. Watch whoever you want. I mean, you're doing it anyway. (laughs) You know what I mean? And there's good in all, but you need to have these, somebody in your life that speaks to you from that place of this office, these offices. Amen. People say, well, I don't, there's no church in Billings like so-and-so's church in California. Then move to California. <laughs> Some people just want people to move out of Montana. They just... <laughs> Is it really... Was that really spiritual clapping? Because... <laughs> I feel like there's other motive. No. You say, why do you say that? Because growing spiritually requires a church family that you have contact with. People say, oh, no. No, I can grow spiritually on my own. Nuh-uh. Nobody can irritate you like your own family. <laughs> it's easy to walk in love with all the people you'll never be in contact with. You know, we just care about you so much, we want you to grow. So that's why we irritate you sometimes. Everybody knows how a pearl's made, right? 
You just need to think of it that way. Well, they just irritate me. Oh, you're going to be beautiful by the time we're done. <laughs> you're going to be precious. People want to pay big bucks for you. Do you understand what I mean by that? You're valuable. God sees it. That's why his compassion motivates shepherding. Not, not being a dictator, not controlling everybody, not telling them what color car they should buy and brand or who they should marry. None of that nonsense. But true spiritual shepherding. Amen? This tells me that God's heart of compassion will not leave us in a state that the devil, that the devil left us in. He will bind up that which was broken and restore it to complete health. The enemy will leave you mangled and thrown to the ground, but not the good shepherd. This tells me that God's compassion, um, that God and his motivation and his things are not our problem. As long as the enemy can get you to think that God is your problem, he can keep you in doubt. He can keep you and me in doubt if we see it that way. Watch this now. We actually sang this song today. I didn't know we were going to sing it, but... Verse 37 says, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plenty of, plentiful, but the laborers are few. See, I told you, he wants to multiply shepherds. He wants to multiply sheep. You know healthy sheep multiply? They do. I'm talking about in the natural. They multiply. Verse 38, therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth what? Laborers into the harvest. The commission evolves directly from the comments of verse 37. The Lord of the harvest, harvest is God the Father. Before Jesus sent his disciples out in chapter 10, he urged them to pray for more workers. He wanted to prepare the disciples spiritually so that under these urgent circumstances, they might experience the same calling as he himself had. Part of us becoming acquainted with God's compassion is through fellowship with him, but the other part is through doing his works. Knowledge comes through fellowship with the Lord in Bible study and prayer, but it also comes through experience of being a doer of the Word of God. Amen? It also comes through experience of being a doer of the Word of God. Why don't you stand with me? Did you get fed the Word? Did you experience the presence of God? We have, we'll have altar care workers up here after we're done. Uh, here in just a minute, if you need prayer for anything, prayer of agreement, healing, baptism in the Holy Spirit, any of those things, uh, don't hesitate to come up for prayer afterwards. God, this is such a big deal. Believe that He is just motivated by love to you. Like, get... Uh, Get belligerent about that with the enemy. You say, what do you mean by that? Anytime a thought comes that's contrary to that motivation of God in compassion toward you, till it. I mean, just attack it. Say, no, no. You don't need, sometimes people think, well, I don't know what scripture to say. You don't even have to say a scripture. Just say, no, that's not what God thinks of me. Yeah, have you ever had a thought come to you 
that's a death thought or a fear thought or a worry thought or something about you. Let's even just put it out in the future. You have something come against you. You're never going to be, be beyond this point. You've had this problem for this long. There's no hope for you at all. It will never change. Look how long this has gone on. You got to get belligerent about it. And, and, and I'm not saying you have to necessarily speak up in a, in a public setting like out at the grocery store. I mean, if you want to, go ahead. I don't care. People are going to wonder about you, but, you know, you, you may get an opportunity to preach. I don't know. But if you're not that way, I'm saying you just need to say it, under, even under your own breath. Say, yeah, that's a thought, devil, but that ain't happening. That's not God's destiny for me. I mean, I, I, the more you know of the word, it helps you fight. I mean, I will give the enemy a, a, a sermon with Greek definitions <laughs> on how I'm going to overcome and make it through. And not just barely get along. I mean, just just go ahead and have you a... Uh, just like uh, expect and have, just like Jesus demonstrated that the Lord actually used his arm to raise Jesus up out of hell. So much power, it conquered everything the devil had. Everything he had. And he does exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. And I can think pretty big. And I think he wants us to, so that he can exceed that. Amen? Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.